0: hola hola como estas hello how are you my slow baja amigos today's heaping dose of gratitude goes out to raul and caroline from rancho la Bayota in tecate baja california they have a spectacular 2800 acre guest ranch with horses and just a, It's a beautiful, beautiful piece of property in a beautiful valley. No cell signal, no Wi-Fi. It's magnificent to just get away from it all. Dining under the candles. It's it's really lovely. You know, a little fire pit for sipping some tequila after dinner. And uh, I, I'm recording from my cabin at the property. The sheep were just grazing right out in front. I thought it'd be fun to record this while you could hear the tinkling of the bells and the munch, munch, munching of their flock of sheep, but they've moved on. Horses were just trotting by a second ago. Anyways, I wanted to share the sounds of this space rather than try to block the sounds out of where I am, which is what I'm usually trying to do. Today's show is with Paola Pijuan of Vino's Pijuan. And more than being part of the winemaking family of Vino's Pijuan, Paola, Paola is an expert in Native plants of Baja, and a fierce advocate of keeping the native plants in with all the development of all the wineries. So surrounding the vines, lining the the lanes down the vines, the interior of the the vineyards with native plants to keep feeding all those bees, keep feeding all those all that wildlife that depends on it. And Paul is a a fierce advocate of that, and it was a real joy to speak with her. She's also a practitioner of the Japanese art of forest bathing and leads forest bathing trips. So if you want to check that out, get yourself immersed in nature. Paola Pijuan, enjoy the show. Hey, this is Michael Emery. Thanks for tuning into The Slow Baja. This podcast is powered by tequila fortaleza handmade in small batches and hands down my favorite tequila hey i want to tell you about your new must-have accessory for your next baja trip benchmark maps has released a beautiful beautiful baja california road and recreation atlas it's a 72 page large format book of detailed maps and recreation guides that makes the perfect planning tool for exploring baja pick yours up at benchmarkmaps.com So maybe you can t- just say hello and tell me your name and tell me where we are.
1: Okay, so my name is Paula Pijuan. We are at Vinos Pijuan in Valle de Guadalupe.
0: What are you drinking? You've got a, a white here and I'm drinking
1: a rosé. I am drinking, I think it's a Chenin Blanc with Sauvignon, I believe. Um, part of the whites that my dad and my sister make here in, in Pijuan.
0: Well Okay, well, let's get right to it. Hello, how are you?
1: I'm good. I'm going to take a glass, a sip of... My glass. Ching, ching. <laughs> ching, ching. Thank you for, for the interview.
0: Well, thank you for making time. Hello, Slow Baja <laughs> listeners. Today I've barged into Venus Pijuan and forced my way into um, a conversation with Paula, who was uh, doing her best to ignore me, but she was <laughs> twice recommended by good friends, <laughs> and I had to come and see her, and she's been very kind to make a little time. Today I've got a beautiful... Uh, cheese plate in front of me so if you hear me munching along in between uh, long soliloquies you'll know what's going on here Uh, it's a beautiful day it's not too hot I found Paula working in the field (laughs) with her beautiful dog Pax
1: Pax yeah Pax
0: tell me a little bit about this place
1: about the winery
0: yes your father's midlife crisis
1: exactly (laughs) so we got this place precisely 20 years ago in 2002 As you said, it was my dad's midlife crisis. He was about to turn 50. He really did not like his job at all. He was a vet and he always wanted to make wine, but nobody else was making wine except for professional oenologists. And um, he took a course in 1999 of how to make your own wine. He started making his own wine in the garage. They found a little cheap place in Valle Guadalupe back when it was still cheap or at least affordable. And we got it, and I would say like the whole family's life changed in so many ways because he completely turned uh, direction in his life. For me, it was my introduction to the rural life, to the plant world, to the, to tending the, the earth and how challenging that can be if you have no idea of what you're doing. And here we are, 20 years later, drinking good wine, working more than ever, but understanding more where we're at. and. Um, the challenges and the love that it requires to be and to thrive here.
0: Well, you've you've created a uh, quite a beautiful mm. place out of this. If you're telling me you're amateurs, but <laughs> work hard for 20 years, you've done something amazing.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Tell Slow Baja, uh, the Slow Baja world, what you have here. We're sitting in the patio of your beautiful restaurant. So you have food, you make your wine. Mm-hmm. Mm, do you have, uh, you receive guests, you have lodging?
1: Yes. So we have one small house with two with two bedrooms and that's about it. We went, We got this place, the house was already there. It had three small houses and we've built around them. And like, that's where we, I mean, we grew them so that we have the winery now. And for us, it's always been, we don't live here. We've never lived here, but we have spent a lot of time here. And for us, has, it has always been our our refuge from the city. So we've never wanted to for this place to become very touristy, very big, very <laughs> busy. So um, it's always chill. I mean, today's a Wednesday, it's, it's just you and I today. But even on, on weekends, it's a, it's a respite from the big places and the busy places of Bayo Guadalupe. We love nature, like that's what unites all of my family. Like we are, since we were kids, it's me and two other sisters and then the wines are actually named after us and my mom and my grandma so there's a big story there but i think we would i would be more interested in focusing about the nature part of it and we've tried to make a haven i would say not just for ourselves but for the visitors and not only for the humans but also for for the wildlife <laughs> and that's what we are trying to create and it's happening
0: well let's talk about that so i walked in and you're you're transferring native plants um, food for the pollinators mm-hmm. let's let's talk about um, you're an oceanographer. you studied oceanography in college i I checked up on you. <laughs> um, Your father's of Spanish descent, but you grew up here yeah in Ensenada?
1: We got here when I was six years old, and um, my parents are from Mexico City, but yeah, the family we grew up here
0: so tell me about plants and tell me about native plants and how that became really your focus. And I'm looking at just the the, the vineyard behind you and you've got it planted full of native greens.
1: Yeah, it's been a big journey. It's, it's, it was interesting because I never, ever in my life cared about plants at all. I was totally into the ocean. I studied oceanography. I was fully into surfing. I started surfing in the year 2000. I was... There when there wasn't that many women in the, in the water and it was such an adventure. Like it just taught me so much. And basically the ocean was my soul life. That's what I did. And then I, I started a master's degree in ecosystem management in 2006. And during the, one of the classes they took us out to the fields and um, I got introduced to the plants. And at the same time my mom was trying to make gardens here in, in, the, in Pijuan. And she was using the typical plants, the roses, the bougainvilleas, the whatever, and all of them were dying, and we didn't know why, because we didn't understand the climate. And I was noticing that around our lot, which was all virgin and all pristine before and back then, it was all full of plants, and I, it was obvious that nobody was tending them, nobody was worrying them, and the birds were there, the quail were singing, it was just so full of life, and what we were planting wasn't full of life. So that kind of made me like sparked my curiosity, and that's how I discovered that in California it's already been over 50 years of I wouldn't say a trend, but a curiosity in gardening with native plants. It has become a trend late in the late years. So yeah, 2007 I fully got into. It was just a huge spark. Like I I didn't care about plants, and then all of a sudden I only cared about plants, (laughs) and here I am.
0: Did it affect your surfing? Did it affect your relationship with the water?
1: I do not surf anymore. That's all I can say. (laughs) Wow,
0: that's amazing.
1: Yeah, that's a long story, but it was so clear that I just wanted to be inland. Like my heart just had had enough of. Like it was my love affair with the ocean had been complete. That's the only way I can explain it. It's like I had given it my all, and he or she had given my um, it's all, and every part of me just wanted to be in the land tending the plants and around trees. So it was a big shift that I didn't see coming.
0: Amazing. So <clears throat> you were uh, involved with the California Native Plant Association. Do I have that right? What's the, yeah. what's the correct acronym for that? California Native Plant Society.
1: CMPS.
0: Do you know anything about Annetta Carter and her study of Baja plants in the 20s? no oh she's an amazing woman i'm looking for somebody to tell me her story she's passed obviously but she she came and and um charted all the native plants in baja as a as a gringa (laughs) and in the 1920s and 30s so just interesting i'm i'm looking for somebody who's got anetta carta stories to share with me but on to you and forest bathing let's talk about
1: that (laughs) okay so my interest with plants came along with a, a deep personal crisis, similar to what many people are living right now with the pandemic. <laughs> I, I started a little bit before. Um, I was studying, huh, I, I don't know how to make it short, but basically I, I wanted to help the environment. That's why I studied envir- ecosystem management, because I wanted to use science to be applied in, in projects that could help the environment i was seeing so much degradation around the shores on the beaches and even here around valle Hualupe. even back then i was seeing how much was being destroyed because of development so i started this master's thinking that i was going to find answers there and i didn't find that many like policy answers and regulatory answers in mexico they take a long time and you don't usually see results so i had a profound personal i would even call it a spiritual crisis that sent me to um, to a, a personal quest. I actually started meditating big time back then. And because I was feeling so down and so misplaced, I started going out into the, the hills of the, the native vegetation here in, in, in around Ensenada. And I, I was doing nothing. Like I would just sit in front of a shrub and just do nothing but observe it and contemplate it and not think about anything. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew it, would, it made me feel better. And I started realizing that going into nature was the only thing that was making me feel better out of the despair or the confusion I was in. Um, I did go to um, spiritual retreats for a few months at a time and I became a meditation teacher. And at the same time, I was teaching people about native plants, like in separate uh, places No, some people were being taught meditation inside of the room and other people were t- being taught about plants But very in a scientific way like this plant is named blah 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 and like a lot of concepts And I was like no, how do I get how do I join? nature and meditation nature and healing in one in one package and All of a sudden I discovered the concept of forest bathing, which is a Japanese practice and um, that's growing big time worldwide and it's precisely it's going into nature um usually or at like at least at the beginning in guided walks that are not about learning concepts it's not about learning names of trees or bird watching it's about going into nature for therapeutic processes to heal to recharge to replenish to relax
0: the same reasons i come to baja
1: hmm. And it doesn't have to be a forest, it can be a desert, it can be anywhere. Yeah. So I became a guide and I'm so happy I do that.
0: Yes, please. What are you pouring? Domenica. Say
1: again. Domenica. This is a twenty eighteen vintage. It's a base of Grenache with Syrah and Carina. Fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> Salud! <laughs>
0: <laughs> so <clears throat> How how is this practice received here, Mm -hmm. and who who do you get to come with you? I mean, Leda, my new best friend from the adobe food truck, (laughs) raves about you.
1: Oh, she was actually, it was so funny because I got certified as a forest bathing guide in Santa Rosa, California. There is a...
0: Very close to where I live.
1: um, Oh, you guys have amazing forests. It was so beautiful. I think it was Sugarloaf Hill or Sugarloaf Mountains and um i got certified in 2017 but i had to do my practices so i my first walk is where leda was and um who comes i'm I, actually most of the time i cater to locals because it's kind of hard to to cater to both groups at the same time i don't like doing bilingual uh groups so sometimes i am um uh, searched by americans for example and I can cater for private groups and offer it in English, but mostly I do it for locals. And um, who comes is just more and more people are starting to realize that they miss nature, that they, needs, they need it. And people are so inside the cities that they don't even know where to start. They don't even know where to go. Baja is complicated because there's a lot of, there's a lot of open spaces, but they're private. It's not like in the U.S. that you have a lot of nat- like natural national parks or state parks or city parks. We don't have that m- much here. They're mostly private. So you have to know somebody that knows somebody to know where to go. And that's where, I mean, that's part of where I come along and and the guided walks really help. The mantra that we learned as a guide is like, our role is, because it's called forest bathing or forest therapy, and our, our mantra is the guide opens the door, and nature is a therapist, or the forest is a therapist. And it sounds, it's, it's really hard to put into words, but it's an exploration of nature through the five senses. So that's all I do. I offer invitations to people to listen to the bird that we can listen yeah, to right we're now. we're listening to a dove right now. Exactly. And feel the wind in our skin and notice the colors or the light all around us. And that just naturally relaxes us so quickly.
0: Paolo's absolutely glowing right now, I hate to say it. You just smi- <laughs> a, a huge smile and eyes are sparkling. I'm, I'm starting to blush. It might be the, the, the second glass of wine here, folks. Uh, so, can you walk me through? Is it, is, it, is it something that you can describe? Can you walk me through um, visually what happens if I were to come on a forest bathing
1: an Excursion with you well, I think a bit of it of the beginning of it is what what we just shared now Like it's an invitation to explore with the senses so you could say we begin with a meditation opening the senses and Even though all of us have five senses We don't usually pay attention to them. We're we they're so numbed out of our system because we're always thinking we do not stop thinking so we don't hear the birds, we don't feel the wind, we don't notice the ground under, or the earth under our feet. Um, and that's what happens on a, on a forest bathing walk. And I would say like, mostly mo- people become children again because that's the way children explore nature. That's the way children play with nature. They don't care about learning concepts or being serious about it. They're just fully experiencing the place in the moment, in the now. And that's what happens for people. And it's beautiful to see. That's why I glow.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Well, we will, um, I will ask you at the end here when, um, where people can book, if that's something that uh, you're open and and, uh, offering walks now. Uh, I would definitely like to make the Slow Baja community aware of how they can book you because I really feel you've touched on something as we are all, I have my phone right here in my hands, folks. We are all looking at our phones all the time. Everybody in San Francisco, where I live, has this thing in their hand and they're looking at it Mm -hmm. and they're not, as you say, aware of the birds, the beautiful climate, the smell of the the plants that they're walking by, as you said, the five senses and they're not, they're not in their body when they're in their space. I always say, be where you are when you're there. That's what slow Baja is mm. in a nutshell. It's beautiful. be where you are yeah. when you're there.
1: Exactly. I mean, it's called mindfulness. We can call it wherever, however we want, but it's having our mind where our bodies are at. That's what the, I, the way I explain it. No? Like our bodies can be here, but our minds are elsewhere. So we're kind of sleepwalking most of the time. And um, we need reminders and we need guidance. And nature is a beautiful guide. Like she usually brings us like, hey, listen to the bird. Hey, feel the wind. And I mean, fortunately for me, <laughs> the pandemic has definitely sparked an interest and a need in so many of us um, for these practices. We need, we need to find balance. All of us are overworked, overstretched, overstressed. We're so, we have our hands in so many things at the same time. And I just think it's unnatural, like no other species on planet Earth is demanding so much of themselves like we are, it's just exhausted, we're, we're all exhausted and so we need these, these moments of pausing and arriving in our bodies and just remembering and feeling what being alive is like. <laughs> wow.
0: I think I want to leave it right there, folks. That could be that could be all you need to know about this right here. Holy Toledo! Okay, we're gonna take a break.
1: <laughs> Sorry, I told you I was always in profound spaces.
0: <laughs> hey, do you wish you had joined us on the Nora 500? Well, here's your chance. It's double the mileage, double the fun, double the parties, double the dirt. It is the Nora mexican 1000 we're gonna drive by day we're gonna party by night i'm pouring fortaleza tequila april 30th through may 6th, 2022 we're driving the entire peninsula you don't want to miss out on this one again if i can do it in my 1971 toyota land cruiser totally stock you can do it in any modern 4x4 the nora mexican 1000 it's the happiest race on earth check it out at nora.com n-o-r-r-a.com or on Slow Baja. Here at Slow Baja, we can't wait to drive our old land Cruiser south of the border. When we go, we'll be going with Baja Bound Insurance. Their website's fast and easy to use. Check them out at BajaBound.com. That's BajaBound.com, serving Mexico travelers since 1994. I'd like to come back to your winery a little bit.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And and tell me about your father. Tell me about uh, your sister's. Tell me about the wines named after them all and what people will find when they come here. Explain, give me a a forest bath right here in your beautiful space, because it truly is beautiful.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Okay, so my father is um, from Catalonia originally, Catalonia uh, region in the west of Spain that has always wanted to be separate from Spain. (laughs) Absolutely. They have a different language. We don't speak Spanish there. it's Catalonian. his His mom and dad came running away from the civil war in the thirties and arrived in Mexico as exiles. So my dad was born in Mexico, but f- full on um, like a second a second generation, I would say, um, Catalonian. His first language is Catalonian, and but he was raised in Mexico City. But you, obviously, as a Catalonian, where they are deep in the Mediterranean, he was raised with Mediterranean values and a love for Mediterranean food and a love for Mediterranean wine. So it's interesting because Baja California is very similar to the Mediterranean, like all these rocks and the Mediterranean climate where we have rains in the winter and summer droughts. Um, as I said, like eventually he started making wine. He's a scientist, I mean, although he's a vet, he he was a vet by profession, he's a researcher, he was a researcher in the veterinary areas, but a very scientific-minded person. So when he was taught how to make wine, he was very methodical about it, and he always followed the recipe, and he always, he did it very carefully. So he was able to reproduce, like he started making good wines, and fortunately he was able to reproduce the good wines. It wasn't like a one-time thing. So, people started looking for our wines. It wasn't a plant thing. And the first wine was named after my mom, Leonora. And um, when the place became more famous, he had to make more wines. And he's like, okay, I run out of names. Well, I have three daughters. So I'll just name them after them. So, there's, and the wines kind of have a, a, the idea is that the wines are made similar to the personality of each one of the women in the family.
0: Okay, let's get into that. Then. Yeah. So, tell me about your youngest sister.
1: So, Silvana, which is I think is the one that I'm drinking right now, it's a a white. The wine was made when she was nine years old or she was a kid. So it's a light, um, I think it's a Chenin and a Sauvignon without barrel, like nothing serious about it. Light, fresh, citrusy, floral, easy to drink. It's beautiful paired with ceviches and salads and a lot of the seafood that we have here in Baja. We love it. (laughs) I really like it. So it really represented, like, right, like the the identity of a girl, and um, my mom was the opposite. My mom and my my mom Leonora and my grandma. the the name The name of the wine is Mara, which means mom in Catalan. Well, they're more full bodied, more mature. They spend more time inside the casks. So that's the, the the idea, right? Like each wine has a personality, and my wine, which is Paula. I've always been like an outside kind of person, so my dad make a young made a young red that you can drink that's beautiful on the beach or on a hot day like today. It's not too serious. It only goes in the barrel for I think six months or even less. And it's a blend of a lot of grapes. Like I don't even remember, which also represents me because I'm into so many things at a time. <laughs> but it has Merlot, Sirah, and um it's vinified as as a grape. Let me remember the name. Whole Berry fermentation. Okay. That's the word, which brings up very different flavors like banana and Tootsie Pop and candy. And it's just like a little bit crazy. And it does represent me a bit. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers to that.
0: (laughs) Cheers to that. Um, You've taken the philosophy of stewardship, stewarding the land, caring for the, the plants, the animals, the what have you, very seriously here. So I I'm guessing it's biodynamic. There are not pesticides or, you know, weed killers or what have you. You you've integrated nature. Can you talk a little bit about your philosophy in how how this property is cared for?
1: So my mom comes from a family of full-on nature lovers. You know, like everyone in her family has nine dogs and six cats and that kind of family.
0: There are a few dogs here, I've noticed. <laughs> there's a few I dogs. Packs I met, but there are three or four when I parked.
1: <laughs> there's always at least five dogs in Piju. And, and there's there are always rescues and the, the, there's always more coming. We don't know where they come from, but we always have new dogs. And they are our guard dogs. We don't have... I mean, they they, they have a job. They take care of the property so well and they love receiving people and stuff. But anyway, a lot of the practices in agriculture involve an ideology of a war between your crop and the nature that wants to eat it. And the way most people wage that war is with pesticides and with rodent killers and with all these things that (laughs) we hardly kill a spider in our house. So my mom was always like, there's no way we're gonna kill the, the, the topos, the gophers or the ardillas, the squirrels. And um, we have never put any herbicides at all. Um, pesticides hardly, not pesticides, but sometimes we used copper for the for a mold that grows on grapes. But for the past maybe five years, we've gone fully organic and um, it's not biodynamic, but it is organic. and um, my I mean that's my sister is actually the one that's more right now in in charge of of tending the vineyard. I tend the native plants. <laughs> my relationship with wine is that I drink it. I don't get so involved <laughs> in the production of it.
0: All right. Well, you've got lots of native plants here and I understand that you're a consultant about native plants.
1: Yeah, so after I did my masters, I became so passionate about native plants and it it went from a full-time hobby and passion. Well, it wasn't it was a hobby and I had had other jobs, but eventually I became i found my niche and it's like a niche that not many people um are holding it was so good for me because like it was just an empty niche and my hobby just became a service that i could provide to others so what i was telling you before is like the trend in most places is that people buy land we could talk about valle de guadalupe for example by pristine land that's covered in native vegetation, all these beautiful plants that are actually the home of all the songbirds and the squirrels and even pumas. I mean, there's like so much wildlife here. And people buy buy the land, they fence it and they bulldoze the whole thing. It's just a practice that has been ingrained like in, I don't know, if Mexican DNA or human DNA. But the word they use in, in Mexico is limpiar, limpiar el terreno it's called clearing the land or cleaning the land, which implies like the land is dirty. So if you buy a land and somebody asks you, like, do you want to clean your land? Anybody would say, yes, I want to clean my land. And that actually means bulldozing the whole thing and getting rid of all the vegetation. And with the vegetation, there goes all the animals. So fortunately, some people are trying to do things differently. And that's where I come along and um, show them. You do not need to, to clear your land if, if you want to develop it. You can clear the spaces that you want to build in or the spaces that you're going to put a, a vineyard. But even in the vineyard, it's super proven by Berkeley scientists, vineyards that are near native vegetation have a lot less pests because nature is always in an equilibrium, in a balance. So if there's a little bug that's eating the grapes, then the other bugs that are inside the native habitat, they're going to go and eat the pest. A pest is only a bug that, that grew its population beyond what's normal. And like nobody's eating it, nobody's killing it. When there's a healthy ecosystem around it, the balance is achieved almost immediately. So even people that want to build vineyards, they can leave patches of native vegetation inside the vineyard, which is what I'm doing with a few of my clients. And it looks beautiful. It really helps solve erosion problems as well because natives really hold the soil when the big rains come. And the, the pest problem really diminishes and it's like a lot of scientific papers have proven that.
0: What do you want to say about the Valle Development, water, what have you? Hmm. How how do you want to address those <laughs> crushing
1: issues? Um, I don't know. I I guess Baywalupe. Like, it's a microcosm, but what's happening in other places in the world is just rampant development. Because the wine industry flourished so much, suddenly there was um. I forgot the word in English, but people needed a place to stay. So it's not only or it's not just that the wineries are destroying the ecosystem. is that everybody wants to put an Airbnb in their land right now. And you just see these explosions of little tiny baby cabins all over the place. And even though there there is a regulation for Valle Guadalupe, most people are not paying attention and the government is not actually working at all in applying that regulation. Or those regulations, which involve um, a density. You know h- how many houses you can actually build per hectare. Um, there's a, a beautiful regulation about not building massive um, walls <laughs> around your property, so that the the landscape is not affected. And that's not happening. Like all these massive grey cement walls are. People come from the city, and instead of Wanting to adapt to the countryside, they want, they're they bringing their city with them because they do not know what rural life is. And what could I say? Like if you're coming to a rural area, I mean, I, I and I don't think your community would do it. I think it's more of a city kind of person. But research what rural life is and build according to the context that you are arriving at, not. Don't destroy it and turn the place into a city, which is what's happening in so many places around.
0: Well, on that profound, we I, <laughs> I realized you were going to be profound. I knew it. <laughs> I am. <laughs> um, on that, we're going to change gears again here. And just maybe you can tell me about a few places that you really love here in the Valle that hopefully Slow Baja uh, listeners will come and see and not in such droves that they destroy it. So just, <laughs> if if you're willing to share a few places that you really love, people who are doing wonderful things here, uh, I'd love to hear them.
1: Well, I mean, the message is hopeful because I can recommend you, of course, Mogor Badán. Natalia Badán has been one of the pioneers in Valle Guadalupe, and she's been doing things the right way since the very beginning. And she's left the native plants and she has organic and she's never catered for the big tourism world. So it's a beautiful, it's a very authentic kind of place. Um, that's Tres appointment Mujeres. appointment only, is folks.
0: Appointment only. I'll have the link on the site, Slow Baja, if you want to visit Natalie Badan. Sí. Okay.
1: And she has beautiful, really good wine as well. Really, I mean, Drew Deckman is there, so who wouldn't want to go? So that's, that's a basic that one has to go to. Um, Tres Mujeres. It's also a small scale, full of heart uh, project from Yvette Bayard. And um, again, very homely, very, I mean, respectful of the landscape, respectful of the place. Um, Adobe Guadalupe also has those notions. And wh- where I would say that, I mean, it sounds very grim, like what I said before, it sounds very grim, but this is where it turns hopeful a lot of what's been happening it hasn't been because people are <laughs> are mean or evil they were just lacking information people from the city come and develop like in the city because they didn't know they could do it in another way so i just started working with two developers that are big in in valle Guadalupe julian salas and eric castro that used to do things very differently but they discovered that they can Do it like there's a different way of doing it so now we're rescuing the native plants from their properties instead of just bulldozing them moving them from place to place so that the land is cleared for the architecture but the plants are rescued and these are people that thought very differently a year ago they were bulldozing big time a lot of the places but something happened that they discovered they could do it differently and they have an impact. They are very much in touch with the regular landscapers, no, not landscapers, regular developers. And they're pushing for things to happen differently because they themselves are also seeing that Valle Guadalupe is going in a, I would, a lot of us say it's not a positive direction because it's so un, unstructured and so undirected.
0: And unsustainable.
1: Unsustainable beyond unsustainable, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean the drought and all these things it's we have to take into account.
0: Okay. Well <laughs> on that note, Paula. Um if people want to come here, let's go through the ways the number of ways that people can find out what's happening here. Uh the social media, websites, what have you. Let's talk about a little bit about how people can come in and see what's happening here and then tell me how people can come to be in touch with you, and if they want to to visit nature with you, go on a nature walk, book a, a trip for six friends in English or Spanish, let's talk about that.
1: Okay. So the first question was where they could find information about Valle Guadalupe?
0: About here.
1: Oh, Pijuan. Your, your, yes,
0: Okay. Pijuan.
1: Perfect. That's an easy one. So you can find this on social media uh, as Vinos Pijuan, that's P-I-J-O-A-N. And that's our webpage as well, vinospilluan.com. I'm happy like when you when you arrived at the at the at our place, you found me doing gardening. And I'm excited because in a few months, maybe a year, we don't know. But, but what I didn't share about the wine that we make is that we're making a wine that has native plant extracts. It's a kind of a vermouth. And we're making a garden with native plants that are used in the vermouth. So we want to make if if you're if anybody, if any of your listeners are interested in finding the meeting point between the native plants and wine, this garden is going to be it. It's going to be a walk that really sparks your senses because most of the plants are aromatic. For our, our intention or my intention is for people to see that for wine to be existent in our region, there has to be an ecosystem, the ecosystem is not comprised only of olive trees and vine plants. We need an ecosystem, an ecosystem involves plants, it involves animals, it involves the geology so that we have proper weather patterns and rain. And I will find a way that's easy to understand. (laughs) And it will be explained in the garden. My idea is for people that come to Venus Pijuan, that they live with a beautiful wine tasting, but they they can also have a a sneak peek or a little view of what Baja ecosystems are, why they're so important for them to exist and how they relate to the winemaking industry. So any of your listeners will be able to see that here in Vinos Pijuan, um, probably in six months. We hope that that walk is concluded. And as for my personal projects, um, the forest bathing my forest f- bathing project is called respira bosque which means in spanish uh, or the equivalent would be like <sighs> breathe the forest so respira bosque in instagram on facebook and respirabosque.com i've been offering walks since 2017 and as you say the, so i usually have one about one per month it's usually in spanish but uh, a lot of people look look for me for private groups. And I can cater for whatever need, different places. And I haven't had anybody that hasn't enjoyed the experience so far, fortunately.
0: She says smiling with her eyes.
1: Again. <laughs>
0: well, if Polo at uh, Baja Adventures and Leta at the Adobe Food Truck recommend you highly, that is, those are two people that I truly admire both for oh, their, in their own right. So you're highly, highly recommended. So that's a slow Baja approved, folks. We've got the dogs moving in. <laughs> I think we're going to wrap up our conversation. You've been oh. very generous. It's beautiful here in the Valle folks. I say come and see it well. I don't know how to I don't know how to phrase it. Come and see it soon. Yes. Sooner rather than later. <laughs> when you can meet people like Paula and she will hand you three leaves. Can you tell me a little bit about the three leaves that you handed me?
1: So that is a white sage leaf, um, a California scrub sage leaf, and that Cleveland sage leaf.
0: And they all are aromatic and beautiful. And you told me to go entertain myself for a half hour, Hmm. order a glass of wine, have a smell of these beautiful, beautiful plants, and you'll be right with me. And it's it's uh, you know I can't say in all of my years that somebody's handed me some leaves and say <laughs> go entertain yourself for a few minutes I'll be right with you but it's lovely this is l- lovely
1: <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it
0: slow baja I'm giving you a sniff right now all right Paula gracias
1: gracias por la invitación thank you so much for the invitation.
0: Well, folks, that show takes me, that conversation takes me right back to that beautiful spot. Sipping rosé all day with uh, Paola and talking about um, forest bathing. You just don't get to have enough conversations about forest bathing these days. Uh, Thanks again to Ian Lastly, Polo at Baja Adventures, and Leda at Adobe Food Truck for recommending Paola for a slow Baja conversation. If you have somebody you'd like to hear on Slow Baja, let me know. Uh, you can message me at Slow Baja on Instagram or Facebook, or you can certainly hit that contact button at slowbaha.com. and while you're at slowbaha.com, well drop a taco in the tank hit that donate button check out the uh, merch in the slow baja store Uh, i've got hats in stock all sizes all styles um t-shirts probably by the time you hear this show are in so those uh long out of stock larges yep folks they're back they're black back in black they're back in white they're uh black sweatshirts they're back grab them while you can Um, Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Thanks for the folks who have uh, dropped taco in the tank. I'll be acknowledging you all in the next show. And until then, to borrow from my old friend, Baja lover, motor vehicle lover, Steve McQueen, Baja's life, anything that happens before or after is just waiting. I told you about my friend True Miller, you've probably heard the podcast, but let me tell you, her vineyard, Adobe Guadalupe Winery, is spectacular. From the breakfast at her communal table bookended to an intimate dinner at night, their house bread, Azteca horses, Solomon, the horseman will get you on a ride that'll just change your life. The food, the setting, the pool, it's all spectacular. AdobeGuadalupe.com for appearing on slow baja today our guests will receive the beautiful benchmark map 72 page baja road and recreation atlas do not go to baja without this folks you never know when your gps is going to crap out and you're going to want a great map in your lap trust me